one of the ways we can reimagine together who we might be when we come out on the other side of this, and we will come out on the other side of this, is to take a long, hard look at the stories we've believed that have gotten us this far. Many of us go through life without questioning, questioning the stories, the authorities. White people like myself are especially guilty of this. We don't question who's written it, why they wrote it, the conditions that prompted the writing, because the things written overwhelmingly are written to benefit cis white males. So we would all do well to do a little reread of our Holy Scripture. The creation story in Genesis 2 is often used as a means for advancing a patriarchal agenda. God created man first, then out of man woman, therefore women are inferior. How many of you have heard or embodied some version of this tired take on the creation story? In reality, the Hebrew word for helper that's used here in the Old Testament is not a subordinate word. It's actually genderless. Both of them are. And it's an equal. And in some translations, a word that is superior. Pretty amazing to think about it, the creation story that way, right? I was introduced recently to another opportunity to reimagine the stories that we find ourselves in back in March when I was introduced to something called the Regendered Bible, a stunning project of labor and love of 7th Street neighbor just down the street from middle, Yael Kanarek. The Regendered Bible is a socially engaged initiative to rewrite the Bible, reversing the genders of all the characters. This small adaptation exposes our collective habitual thinking and addresses the astonishing void of sacred literature within the Abrahamic traditions that define women's lives in divine language. If you don't think you've been conditioned by a white patriarchal reading of the Holy Bible, hear this same passage read again, this time, from the Regendered Bible. Here is a reading from Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 25 from the Regendered Bible. And the Elohim took the Eve and put her into the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Elohim commanded the Eve, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and bad you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will die. And the Elohim said, It is not good that the Eve should be alone. I will make her a helper opposite her. And out of the ground Elohim formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to the Eve to see what she would call them. And whatever the Eve would call every living creature, that was to be its name. And the Eve gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for the Eve, there was not found a helper to be opposite her. And Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall upon the Eve and she slept 
and she took one of her ribs and closed up the place with its flesh instead. And from the rib which Elohim had taken from the Eve, she made a man and brought him to the Eve. And the Eve said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He will be called man because he was taken out of a woman. Therefore, a woman will leave her mother and her father and will cleave to her man and they will be one flesh. And they were both naked, the Eve and her man, and were not ashamed. Wow. Did you hear that? Such a small change. But yet that rethinking, that reimagining changes everything. Suddenly, Eve, a woman, is naming all of the creatures of the earth. And there's another person being made from Eve, from a woman, not the other way around. And a woman is the first person who speaks in our holy scripture. It makes us wonder how things might have turned out differently, doesn't it? It makes you wonder had anyone taken the time to actually translate the original Hebrew to come to understand that these two humans are equals, things might have turned out differently. Maybe we'd be taking care of the earth a little better. Yes, we need a reimagining, a rethinking, a rereading of this moment, don't we? God calls us from the very beginning to till for the earth, to till the earth and to care for one another. Despite the sexist, racist, classist stories we've been told and absorbed. And often we failed. We failed because this coronavirus moment holds up a mirror for us on the connection between our inability to care, to till for this earth and therefore each other and the staggering number and demographics of people who are dying and have died of COVID. By now we've all read that black people are dying at disproportionately high rates of COVID-19. What we haven't heard enough about is that countries with higher levels of pollution and cities and blocks with higher levels of pollution are seeing greater numbers of deaths of COVID as well. And that African-Americans and other people of color tend to live in closer proximity to coal plants refineries, and other places responsible for emitting troubling pollution. Pollution that passes through lungs, enters the bloodstream, and has been linked to a variety of serious health problems, which in turn increase vulnerability to the coronavirus. Communities of color have always been sacrifice zones. Mustafa Ali, a VP in environmental justice said recently, they've been the places we've pushed things that nobody else wants. 
polluted neighborhoods and cities such as Los Angeles, Houston, Newark, and Detroit, as well as the Navajo Nation, are among the country's worst virus hotspots. And studies have recently shown that even small exposure to pollution in the years before the virus outbreak is associated with a 15% higher risk of death from coronavirus. And this, of course, where we live, what zip code we grow up in, our access to public health or lack thereof are all results of redlining, rezoning, unequal wealth distribution, white supremacy, blindly believing stories of power and class we've been told without digging inside ourselves and rethinking what the Holy Scriptures might really be saying to us. Lubana Amid reminds us that in public health, it is often your zip code, which is more indicative of your health outcome than your genetic code. And this doesn't just stop at pollution, lack of access to water, to clean water, is currently worsening conditions for people in low-income communities hit by the virus as well. Many people in Detroit still don't have water and in Flint, clean water. And what have we been saying ad nauseum now for a month about one of the best ways to protect yourself from this virus? Wash your hands. Pretty hard to wash your hands without water. Amen? Tilling the earth, taking care of one another. We've got some reimagining to do. But you all, I don't want us to become overwhelmed with how we've collectively and individually failed to take care of this earth and each other. It is overwhelming and sometimes paralyzing. But I want us to remember that there is power. Remembering that we can question who's writing the stories and who's making the rules. That we can question why money goes to some places and not other places that we can question why some people live here and some people live here. There's power in that and it's inside each of us. Might there be another way to read this? Is there another truth that the Holy Spirit is telling us from this text? Maybe it's not a patriarchal racist text. What would it look like if we read this and we saw women as superior. What would it look like if we read our holy scriptures not as a slaveholder religion, but where white people were inferior? What would it look like to understand ourselves as servants of creation? What would it look like to realize the interconnectedness of racism, sexism, environmental justice, 
and public health.